0: A warm welcome to everybody My name is Aston and welcome to my channel I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content Some preaching, some Christian apologetics Substance abuse, recovery material And some life coaching principles and strategies So today's passage is Luke chapter 5, and then we'll be doing from verse 12 all the way through 15. That is Luke chapter number 5, and we will do from verse 12 through 15. And the reading of the word of our Lord is as follows. While he was in one of the towns, a man there who had a serious skin disease all over him, he saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have that we can start our day off with devoting this time unto you, Lord, um, where we can worship you um, in this Bible reading and teaching. And also, Lord, where we can be recipients of your word, of your guidance, of your grace, of your mercy. I thank you today for each and every person that has surrounded me today, and even for those who would tune in later on with the podcast and listen to the podcast, Lord. I thank you that we can be blessed in both the hearing um, and the ministering of your word, Father. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Your word shall never ever return to you void, Lord, unless it has fulfilled. And accomplished all that you have sent it forth to do. Thank you for your word that is quickened and alive and sharpened in any two uh, double edged sword that can cut through and sear through bone and marrow, and even soul and spirit. And may your word fulfill all that you have purposed and intended it to do in the hearts and the lives of all of its hearers. Through the work and the power of your spirit, Lord, may you call your elect unto yourself and place us in the beloved. And we declare to you be the glory both now and forevermore. In the name of our Lord and of our Savior Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. <coughs> amen. Amen. So, a while back, there was uh, something that I found on YouTube. And uh, the day that I found it, I think uh, within that week, it happened. Um, I won't mention the individual's name, but when I mention the story, I'm sure it's a story that a lot can relate to or, or I've watched or heard because it actually sparked one of the Marxist movements um, with the Black Lives Matter movement in America. So there was a guy that was um, murdered by a police officer. Um, he happened to be an African American guy and uh, there's a whole story around and behind it of why he was there, what he was doing. His previous records, was he under the influence? Um, And I'm not getting into all of that, but there's a concept in that story that I want us to look at. Now, when I went on and I looked at the video of how this guy was murdered, I mean, it was on YouTube, it's still on YouTube. Um, The police officer puts the guy onto the ground and places his knee um, on his neck and keeps him on the ground. And people start surrounding and the guy starts sounding like a truck as he's trying to grasp for air and he's asking them to leave him he wants to breathe and he's telling them i can't breathe i can't breathe and i mean people even made posters and memes i can't breathe i mean the guy um, they've 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 blasted and painted his face all over america um and with these statements i can't breathe and he's grasping for air and people around are telling the police officer like get off him um, you're gonna kill him And eventually this guy starts, he starts urinating. And you can even see as he's on the street, um, how his his urine is is flowing down. And you can literally see how his life starts slipping away. I mean, this is on YouTube. And when I watched it for the first time, like my heart sank, you know, I I, I stood still. I felt angry, you know, I felt, I felt disappointed, not even knowing what was the entire story around it. And again, I'm not going to get into that story today. But this guy's life was brutally taken away from him by a law enforcement officer. Now, here's somebody that's in a position and they're in a position that they can't get out of and they need some saving. Now, we might have not been in a situation like that because we wouldn't have lived to be telling the story about it because in this story the guy has lost his life but I think it's safe to say that we've came so close to moments in our life where we feel like we can't breathe and we're trying to grasp for air. And somehow, way, it feels as if our very life itself is slipping away and being taken away from us. You know, if you've lived for long enough, you will experience many things in life, but a lot of things will bring you to those moments where you will feel as if it's a situation that you can't get out of. Now I want that to be in the backdrop of our mind as we go on a journey through this passage and then we're gonna come back to that and we're gonna see how can that relate to us. Well we have a beautiful passage in front of us it's in the gospel of Luke. Um, Luke who is a physician um, remember Luke writes his volume 2 sequel um, which is um, the book of Acts so you can actually read Luke And then you can, from Luke, carry on into the book of Acts, so it's actually quite cool. Uh, Luke, who is a disciple of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and a physician. Luke's account is very important because when we go to chapter number 1, Luke makes us understand how he puts and compiles his narrative, okay, how he puts together the story of Christ. So listen to this in chapter number 1 from verse 1, he says this, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. So he says a lot of people have actually come together to put together the storyline of what has happened among them. Listen to this. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So the account of the manuscripts that we have that is called the Bible is not a hocus-pocus it's not a oh, somebody thought something, it's, it's actual eyewitness accounts. We have recorded, documented evidence of the majesty of the life of our Savior on planet earth. So, here he says many have undertaken to compile a narrative. Um, he has taken down um, from the original eyewitnesses. Um, as it was handed out to them, and then he says this, verse 3, it also seemed good for me, since I have clearf- um, carefully investigated everything, from the first to write to you, in an ordinary sequence, most honorable Theophilus, and I always say, you know, we can just give him a, a nickname, because his name sounds so funny to pronounce, we call him Theo, you know, so he writes to Theo, Theolopolis, <laughs> he writes to Theo, and he says, um, it felt good for him to, as well, to from the very first. So, from every actual event, he documents and he writes down everything pertaining to the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ on earth. Just as he had received it from multiple eyewitnesses, their accounts he has taken and is carefully investigated, he's carefully studied. So, this is something that has undergone the trial of scrutiny and has survived. So, the Word of God is alive. It's alive because it's truth, because we have it from those who have witnessed it. And then he says this verse 4, he says, So that you may know the certainty of the things about which have been instructed. So the account of which he writes to Theo, Theolopoulos, is for him to be able to have certainty in these events that has taken place and in what it is instructing us to do moving forward. So, oftentimes people try and rule out theology, like, oh, you know, theology is a bit too much and we need to be practical. Well, you can't talk about being practical until you've studied theology. The application of the practicality of theology only comes from theology. You can't be practical in your worship to who God is until you know who God is and that's what theology is. It's to study who God is. And that's what Luke has done. He has studied the accounts of the eyewitnesses so that Theo can have The certainty. Well, we have the account of Luke. How he has, from the very least to the greatest to the last, documented everything for us to even apply it into our lives and have the certainty of what has been instructed. The certainty of our faith. So, on that note, we find in chapter number 5 how uh, Luke the physician, Dr. Luke, comes and he narrows down to a story And it's a story of a guy with leprosy. Now I want us to look at two things, two characters that is presented in the passage that we have before us. And and the one is Christ and the other one is the leper. Verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him. Now, This serious skin disease is uh, leprosy, you know? And um, leprosy in today's day and age um, isn't as common as it was then, Um, but uh, I believe from doing some research um, that there is is quite a number of people that do have it, um, in certain countries, and uh, it's actually funny, um, there's some animal, the name is running away from it now, but I I actually saved it. Um, That uh, today if you want to get leprosy, because of all the medication and stuff that there is, they've eliminated so many possibilities. There's actually just one animal, um, a little pit that you can touch that has leprosy and you'll get it. So it's actually quite interesting um, to see the cultural difference. But I want us to narrow in to see what leprosy looked like in that day and age. Now this is a serious skin disease and it's a serious skin disease that was very common in that day and age and also They never had the type of medication that we have today. Now, if you had leprosy, you would have to be in immediate isolation. Okay, so you would have to be in quarantine. So you would have to quarantine at home. But there's still the necessities and the normality of life. I mean, you must eat, isn't it? You must get some fresh air. You need to go to the shop. Um, You still have a life that you need to live. And keep this in mind, I mean, if, if, if me and Rian is staying together and Rian has leprosy, somehow, some way, we're going to have physical contact. So in this state of quarantine, I'm going to find myself in isolation with him because it's going to be passed on to me. And that's just how quickly this disease can spread. So in order to avoid the spread of that, somebody that has leprosy has to be isolated from people. And when they need to walk around and they need to do something, there was even these bells that would be rung um, the minute that they would walk into public. So that the minute people hear this bell, people would actually know, okay, we need to avoid this person because what they have is contagious and we ourselves might even get it. Now, not only that, but I mean, uh, what it done to the skin, there was a stench that comes from somebody having leprosy. There was the sight of seeing somebody. You know, the sores, this blisters all over their body. The sight of seeing somebody, it was a sore sight. Now, this person, when walking in public, needs to make an announcement for everybody to understand that um, they are seen to be as unclean. Because that's what they rendered it. This person is unclean. Now, when this person walks into public, they would have to make this announcement. And they would have to scream, unclean, unclean. So people would actually start avoiding them and moving away from them. Now, I want us to think about this. Think about your own life, okay? And think about isolation. And I mean, think about what would it feel like for you to be excluded from people because you are unclean? What would it feel like not being able to have physical contact with anybody? And every time you have to leave the house, an announcement has to be made A symbol has to go off, and everybody would have to avoid you. Imagine what the leper felt like. Imagine what it must feel like to have this disease and not be able to have the affection of people. Now, I don't know about you, but with with, with me, you know, especially now over the holiday time, I was reflecting with brother Hassan a bit and with Jasmine, and I said, you know, there was one of the things that I really enjoyed was spending time with family, like I really enjoyed it. And also some of the moments that I also enjoyed was those moments of privacy, those moments of being alone, you know, that, that little bit of quiet times. It was so nice. But I don't think we can live only in quiet times. Now, maybe um, Rian might say to me, oh, Pastor, I think I can live quite fine alone. But that's the thing. God hasn't made you to live alone. You don't reflect the image of God when you live alone because God has made us in a community of people, in the image of God, um, it says in Genesis, He hath created them both male and female. So God's image and God's nature is for us to live in community with one another. So it's not God's will for us to be alone, God's intent and God's desire, when you look at what's the greatest command, it's, it's, it's a community to love God, that's not us being alone. And then what is just as most important, because the greatest command is what? To love the Lord God with all of your might, all of your soul, all of your strength, with all of your being. And then second, that is as important to the first, is to love thy neighbor as yourself. So, so Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your will? Love me and love everybody like you love yourself. So you can't not live with people. Imagine what it felt. Imagine what this leper felt like. So, now, here we have the story of the leper. You we have the character of the leper. Now, let's think of the character of Christ. Okay? Here's the Messiah. Here's the salvific ficture, uh, picture. Here's the person that the nation of Israel was waiting for. Here's the descendant of David. I mean, people heard John the Baptist's announcement um, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. People heard about um, um, the guy who they knew um, uh, to be a carpenter from Nazareth um, has now shown up and, and he's doing things and he's healing people. And he's, he's, he's performing miracles. Okay, so news about Christ is spreading quite rapid. Now, think of it this way. If you are struggling, let's just for an example, okay, you don't have food at all. And you hear about this food truck that is giving away food you now have some hope because why you don't have food but there's an opportunity for provision for your food so what do you do you go to the food truck but here's a problem you have no means of getting to that food truck think of it the leper hears about the person that can finally bring salvation um, bring healing to him but in order for him to get to Jesus he has to come out of his isolation he has to expose himself and he he stands at the risk and the, the chance of infecting anybody around him now the very thing that he needs the very situation that he has has the doubt in it in and of itself in order for him to get to what he needs. Why? Because he has leprosy. He's in isolation. So he needs to get to Christ, but in order to get to Christ, it exposes his condition. It exposes who he is. So keep those two things in mind and let's look at the passage and let's start extracting from the passage and see what we can learn. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there... had a serious skin disease all over him. Well, now we know a a little bit about this leprosy. He saw Jesus fell face down. Now, here's the thing. When he comes to Christ, he comes to Christ in acknowledgement that Jesus is the Messiah because he comes to Christ in a matter of worship, but also in a matter of humility because he falls face down before Jesus. I mean, he, he, he knows who Jesus is because he's coming to Jesus with a motive and an intent. So listen to this. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged Him, Lord, so he worships Him. He acknowledges who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. Lord, if you are willing, well, here's the question, here's, here's, if Christ is able to, huh? is God able to help him in a situation where he feels as if, um, and his physical condition is as if he can't anymore. Okay? Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he wants to change state. He wants to change from being unclean and he wants to be made clean. And he's, he's coming to Jesus in worship, in humility and in submission, asking Christ to make him clean. Now here's the funny thing. If somebody has leprosy and you touch them, what happens? Infected. You get infected. Verse 30, reaching out his hand, he touched him. So now, I mean, imagine if you're a bystander and you see this, and yet Jesus and reaches out to the end, and you must be thinking, if you doubt that Jesus is the Messiah, you must be thinking, like, yeah, all good things come to an end very quickly. Now, Jesus is going to be walking around unclean. But here's the funny thing, okay? Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I'm willing, be made clean. So, Jesus is willing. And Jesus stretches his hand forth and he gives his word that he will be made clean. And then it says, and immediately the disease left him. So his situation had changed. Now, coming back to our opening story about the guy and the breathing, and yes, somebody that feels as if their life is slipping away from him. Um, not just feels that way, but it's the reality. And he's in a desperate state of healing. He comes to Jesus for the healing, and Jesus provides that healing. Now, when we look at it in our life, you know, um, life in and of itself chokes us. But I want us to truthfully understand exactly what is it about life that really chokes us. Now, I want us to. Um, look at, I'm going to read something uh, a quick um, statement and listen to this. This is uh, by another guy, uh, Grant and he says this, he says Every problem in the world boils down to sin. Economics uh, political political, social um, family, familiar personal, it's all sin. Now, if you understand what The actual problem in life is the reason why we can hurt is because of sin. The reason why we hurt people is because of sin. The reason why we have corruption in this world is because of sin. Everything boils down to sin. If Adam and Eve had not sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin wouldn't have entered into the world. Humanity, God's creation, gets distorted. That's why we call it the fall in the big story. We have creation, then we have the fall, and then we have redemption and then we have eternal life. So, after the fall, there's a need for redemption. So, it's because of sin in this world that there's even sickness. It's because of sin in this world that we have to find ways and means of trying to be able to cope. The, the need and the longing to cope, uh, the need and the longing to live in the, and, 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 and be able to <coughs> excel in all that we do, well, the need for all of that and the distortion of all of that and how difficult it is in order to do that, all comes and all boils down to sin. Sin caused the distortion. Now in this picture we see that near somebody has leprosy, this is a physical condition that people can see, okay, it puts the person also in a certain mental state of mind, I mean, if you have to live in isolation like that, it's going to affect you mentally, whether you like it or not. But it comes to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Jesus, who is clean, is able to make the unclean clean. So, we call this an exchange. Jesus imputes his cleansingness into somebody that is unclean. But you see, in the world that we are living in, if you really want to know what is the unclean state of this world? It's actually sin. The disease that we have in humanity is actually sin. Now, I'll say this. Jesus didn't come to heal people's diseases because He says so in His Word. Uh, the disciples want to take people, want to take Jesus to a certain town, and like, Jesus, come, let's go. Oh, there's people that are sick. We can go heal them. Jesus answers and He says, I didn't come here for this. <laughs> Not every person that came to Jesus for healing. God healed. Not every person that came to Jesus for provision. Some people came to Jesus for eternal life. And He didn't even give it to them. He gave them a requirement. Go and sell everything that you own. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And come and follow me. Not everybody that came to Jesus got what it is and who it is that Jesus is. But out of everything that we learn of what Jesus came to establish. There's one undeniable fact. And it's this. That Jesus came... To cleanse those who believe in Him from their sin. And we come to Him, bow down, face flat, in humility, complete submission. And this is what Jesus does. He has stretched forth His hand at the cross called Calvary and has cleansed us from our sin. Now Grant says this, he says, you cannot abate sin with programs, education or money. The only way to deal with sin is through a bloody cross. You see, if we say we have a social issue, and the reason why the social issue is there is because of sin, you can't change a social issue with social programs. You have to change the social issue with the root cause of what it is, which is sin. And in order to do that, you have to go to the one that has dealt with it. He concludes and he says this, he says, the only hope is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, let's think about the context of where we live and where, what we are dealing with, you know. We are in an addiction program. Huh? There's a program. There's a system that has been put into place. But oftentimes when people engage with me and you know, ask me, you know, how do you help the addict? So I had a beautiful conversation um, on December the 25th um, with, with, with somebody that um, was, was telling me about how they love what we do. And in the process of all of that, I was just speaking on the challenges. You know, it's, it's challenging. Um, missions-focused ministry, uh, being planted in a place where you need to engage with people from different cultural backgrounds, all live together, disciple people over a period of six months, deal with the families, all of it. It's got a lot of challenges. You know, it comes with a lot. You know, uh, we just little people trying to make, the, make a, a dream become a reality. You know, God has burdened our hearts for the things that burdens His and here we are, you know, trying to, trying to engage with God's people to bring uh, hope and restoration to, to those that are in need of it through the grace of God. And speaking about all these challenges, and then the guy says this to me, he says, you know, what's funny, I go to so many churches, I go to so many churches and I hear them preach the gospel, but when I look at what the churches do, I don't see the practice of it. And it's like, I love what you guys are doing. Because you are taking the gospel to the social issues in the community. Now I come back to that question. People ask me, how do you help people in addiction? Well, through the gospel. Why? Because the issue of addiction is sin. It's idolatry. It's idol worship. The, The fact that you can be dependent on anything that is not God in this life, is idol worship. The addict thinks 80% of their day, 80%, we're not asking, I mean, we're not speaking about hocus-pocus things, we're speaking of actual documented studies that has been done throughout history, has come to their conclusion. I mean, studies that have been done for the past 80 years, they've even come to some conclusions where they'll believe the lie, and they'll say, once an addict, always an addict. Because that's just how deep the state of in addiction is somebody that is excluded from community, from society. I remember when I was in my addiction, I was not invited to the family gatherings. You know why? Because I have an addiction to feed. And I need to make sure that I can secure my addiction, and by all means possible. This is what I would do. Then handbag. I take it. That cell phone. I take it. I go. I love the jewelry box. I go into the jewelry box. I find something. You know? Quickly. Ring. Bracelet, earrings, I take it. Broken gold, I love it. Take it. Why? I need to feed my addiction. So I'm excluded from the family because the family don't want me around. You know, when, when I come to the family function, everybody looks at like there's that boy and he's unclean. And his unclean state is his sin. And my sin is evident to everybody. But here's the thing about addiction. With addiction, and i shared with you guys this morning and when i moved from cat to tick and i moved from from cat to to crystal meth it was a transition whereby uh, what i knew at that day age, coming from cape town into johannesburg crystal meth it was the thing that we knew those years once you use this thing you don't come off it it was supposed to be this drug that makes everybody mad uh, people coming clean from from crystal meth was unheard of In that day and age, in Johannesburg, coming from Cape Town, you tell me who can clean off crystal men? Who's like slim to none? That breathing man, feeling like his life is being taken away from him, trying to grasp for that last breath of air. That's how crippling our sin becomes. We are like that man, placed down, put on the ground, and we are breathing. And we are grasping, and we just want one last breath. We want a rescuer. But in what we learn from what Luke accounts, documents in the story about the leper in Christ, is that there is hope. There's a salvific picture that steps into our world, and we can come to Christ and we're like, is it possible? Is it possible that Christ can actually cure the issue of sin? in my life and his response to us as the unclean we are ceremonially unclean because of our sin we can't come to the worship table because of our sin but Jesus' response to the leper is I am willing to be made clean see that's what happens when the clean touches the unclean and that's what happens when Jesus touches our life but here's the next thing you know, we love that story. It's typical, isn't it? You go to any church, you're going to hear about it. And I preached it on Sunday. You know, sin, repent, and salvation. And a friend of mine told me of his observation of his church over the past last year. I spoke about it yesterday in church. The church not once mentioned sin. Sin was was absent in the church. the, the, the notion of sin and your life of sin is absent in the church. Yet it's the one thing that Christ came to. do. How do we have a church? to worship our Creator and our Savior through the work and the power of His Spirit in and through us. How do we worship Him without the acknowledgement of sin? That's the starting point of Paul's argument when Paul writes his account of Romans. So we look at it on Sunday. Total depravity. All of us are unrighteous. All of us is without excuse. All of us do not seek after God. There is none that is righteous. No, not one. The amendment that we can make with God is not through any of our works, lest any of us can boast. It's a free gift that only God can give us, and He gives it to us through the cross of Calvary. But here's the question. What then? Okay, so, farewell. Christ comes and He saves us from our sin. What happens to our life then? Well, let us look at this. Verse 14, Then He ordered him, to tell no one. So obviously in this context then, it was because um, Jesus knew that the attention that would be brought to him, and he knew his mission he needed to be on, and he didn't want people flocking to him for healing and signs and um, for all of those things. Jesus knew what his purpose and what his motive was. That's part of the reason, and um, Jesus knew that the minute the word spreads uh, to certain years, persecution is going to start, and they're going to start to plot to kill him, because... That's why God sent him to die for sinners. Then he ordered him to tell no one. But this is what Jesus does tell him to go to. He says, But, but go and show yourselves to the priests. Or to, yeah, to the priest, and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So obviously, according to the Old Testament here, from what we can learn, there was something according to the law of Moses that you would have to offer up as, as an offering or what is prescribed by the law but you have to present your life you have to come as a testimony as a witness to the fact that god has changed your life well here's the thing once we are clean do we become a part of god's church do we present ourselves to the priests do we become a part of god's community remember god's people in god's place we're looking at it with our series on the book of romans god chooses his people in His place, to live under His governance, His rule, His reign, He has to follow the rule and the reign of what God has prescribed. Not for Him to get clean, but because He got clean. Well, here's the thing, is your life now a testimony? Jesus touches you, saves you. The the clean imparts His cleansiness unto us. He makes what is seen to be unclean, clean. The uncleansing state of our life is our sin. But here's the thing, what about your life now? Do you present your life to the church? Do you present your life as what is prescribed as a testimony to the church? So, I remember when I was a part of, uh, before I was a reformed and I was a part of the Pentecostal movement. And we used to do all these miracles and things, you know. The funny thing is, some of the people would become sick again. Like you know, that auntie she touch her toes in church. You know, she used heal her from her back problems. it even happened with my mother. They made her touch her toes in church. She was healed, all excited. Now, not anymore. Now, here's my thing. Okay, certain things like healing it can change. God can heal you. We're not we're we're not doubting that God can. We know that He can. We read the Bible. Oh, we know He can. The question is, does He? how does he in today's day and age and the big question is what is the main thing that god is doing Well, the main thing that god is doing is redemption from our sin now i remember back then um, in order for somebody to say that the church has really healed them, what the person should do is actually go to a doctor so if you come to the church and the pastor says you've been healed you should actually go see a specialist go to the doctor Get the doctor's report where the doctor can rule it a miracle in order for them to say that this really happened. And then come as a testimony to the church. But what about your life from sin? Can you really say that your life now is free from sin? And how do you see that? Have you present your life to the church, you come to the church and the church can observe your life and see your life that you've actually changed now well, what do we learn from this well let's go back to our story again sin is choking us sin is choking this world we need to grasp for air we need someone that is big enough and strong enough to step into our sin and is able to cleanse us from the disease and the scar of what sin is with sin we can't walk around blaming the world it's because of this one that I'm like this. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't root causes to why we choose our sins. I believe that 100%. There's an underlying factor as to why we choose our addiction. So, is addiction sin? Yes, but there's an underlying factor as to why we choose it. And that you go through counsel for that. You go through a process for that. But you can go through that process and heal from your addiction. And be clean for the rest of your life. But if you've never repented, you're still going to die and go to Yale for that addiction. No amount of years clean can do away with the crime of the fact that you were dependent on idol worship in order to be a solution to your life. The only hope for an addict is through the cross. And it's through the cross of Christ. Only salvation in Christ and Him crucified brings salvation to a sinner. We grasping for that air. Eh? I mean, it was festive time, you saw what the world looks like. You saw the state of people. I, I, I said to, to Jasmine, I can't sit in that presence anymore. I can't. I'm 10 minutes max and I'm uneasy, I'm uncomfortable. And what makes it worse is I'm the pastor, so I'm bound to say something biblical. You know, I'm, bound to, I'm bound to give you a Bible response. I mean, imagine it. You know what your family gathering was, and you know me. Now invite me over there. it's like a pastor chatting with everybody until I bring the Bible into it. But the world is grasping for air, just as much as we are, and Christ is the solution. Sin is what is choking us, and Christ is the solution. But He's willing. He's willing. And how willing is He? Well, He proves His willingness when He goes to that cross of Calvary. Where Jesus takes upon Himself the penalty of the sin that we deserve, it's imputed upon Him. And His righteousness is imputed upon us. He makes us clean through the cross of Calvary. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to look through the story that Luke documents and for us to learn and to see how to apply it into our life. We thank you, Jesus, that while we were yet still in our sin, Christ, you came and You came to die for the ungodly, not to leave us as we are, but for us to change. Let us present our lives to you as a living sacrifice, as a testimony to your Majesty. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing salvation through the cross of Calvary. And we know that you are willing because you've already done it. And through what you have done at the cross today, we can be recipients of your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you are so gracious that you can touch and change the heart of a sinner and turn a sinner into a saint. And I pray, Lord, that it will be the revelation that we can take away from your word today is that you are the one that is able to change the issue of sin in and through us. And we give you, and we declare to you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise, for you are worthy to be worshipped and to be praised. And we ask and we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.